Wednesday through Friday of last week. A little late for a spring break type of vacation. Normally you go on a trip in March, maybe in February, right? I kind of like the April trip because I came back and it's 70 degrees. And I came back and it's Neil Diamond Week. How great is this? Remember in high school or in college... You know, when I was actually in school and spring break was actually a thing. You go on a trip, and then you come back and it's 15 degrees and dark. You go in April, you come back and it's 70, and it's Neil Diamond week. I've been doing this all wrong for years. I speak like I'm some world traveler. I'm not. Went to San Diego to see grandparents for a couple of days. But now I feel like a world traveler and I come back. The weather's beautiful and it's Neil Diamond Week. If you're new to the show since we did Neil Diamond Week a year ago, it's really not that hard. We just listen to Neil Diamond. That's about all it is. And we have a funny intro. That's the only thing that changes. The only thing that changes. This is Louis Coast Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm happy to be back and I am beyond thrilled to kick off Neil Diamond Week. Uh, it's definitely on the Mount Rushmore of bits for this show. Probably alongside Edmund Fitzgerald Day. I don't know if the NBA Lounge is on the same level as the Edmund Fitzgerald Show and as Neil Diamond Week. Cause we do the NBA Lounge every week throughout the season, right? We do it once a week. This is once a year. This is a big deal. So we'll just play Neil Diamond and, and carry the spirit of possibly the greatest entertainer to ever grace the stage. That's what we're going to be doing all week. If you hate Neil Diamond, well, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do. We, we always have one, Rico, who I saw at our Brewers event a couple weeks ago. It was, well, it was opening day, so it was, I think, two weeks ago Thursday. And I know he can't stand Neil Diamond, so I'll probably be getting a tweet at some point from him. But I think he's just about the only one. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Ben Kenny's going to join us in about a half hour to talk golf. The Masters were yesterday. Ben is outstanding at talking about golf. Very entertaining. I always learn something when talking to Ben. And I don't really care about golf. I watch the majors. I watch the biggies because they're important. Right, and I know the big names. But to go a little deeper uh, and to really break down what happened in Augusta yesterday in the final round, John Rahm winning. We'll talk to Ben Kenny in about a half hour. He is Bill Michaels' number one golf critic. Really, when you get down to it, or at least that's what his Twitter account says. So Ben Kenny will be here in a half hour. I want to talk Brewers tonight. I want to talk Bucks. I want to talk Packers. And I have a concert review to give. We're going to do that right before 5 o'clock because I went to a concert last week. So naturally, I'm going to turn that into content. I don't do anything in my life that doesn't turn into content. Otherwise, why do anything? If I can't use it on the show, why why do it? So I have a concert review uh, from a place I'd never been to a show before in Palm Desert, California. So we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Million different things sports-wise from this weekend. The Brewers were doing great, right? We had the final slate of NBA games yesterday. Plenty of drama there, especially with our neighbors to the West, the Timberwolves. UFC on Saturday night, which I kind of watched accidentally because I was at somebody's house. They had it on. 
the Israel Adesanya fight was unbelievable. My jaw was on the floor. And I can't say that about sports very often because I watch sports every day. The Brewers can do something. It's very few and far between where they'll actually do something where I was like, wow, I've never seen that before. Same with the Packers, right? Especially in the playoffs. I have come to expect what the Packers do in the playoffs. That KO on Saturday night was actually a little scary. And my jaw was actually on the carpet. And then, of course, the Masters throughout the weekend, but especially yesterday, the final round. I watched just about every minute of the Masters yesterday because I boarded a plane at 615 and I think golf started around six on the West Coast. So I watched it on the entire flight. I would have liked to sleep, but the lady next to me has never seen clouds in her life. So the window was open and the sun very bright. I want to talk about the final round, specifically the back and forth between John Rahm and Brooks Kepka, as Jim Nance said so eloquently yesterday. I want to start tonight's show with the final round of the Masters. Brooks Kepka started the day with a lead. Right, had some pretty good luck with where he golfed, the order with which he golfed, the group he was in, because he kind of avoided the weather for the first couple of days. And then yesterday, Rom slowly reeled him in. He parred or birdied every hole except the ninth in the final round yesterday. So it's not like he had some unbelievable eagle or or, or, or double birdie to really, or an eagle might be a double birdie. Again, I'm not the world's biggest golf expert, but I watched yesterday and I have so much to say. John Rom slowly reeling him in, and you could just feel it. You could feel the momentum, and you could feel the gravity, and you could feel Kepka just kind of slipping little by little. You could feel it, right? It reminded me so much of the NBA playoffs and the momentum within a seven-game series and the momentum of a team playing one game and then turning around and playing again and then playing again right? in a series-based sport. Baseball's the same way. Basketball, a best-of-seven series. And, of course, Golf, where it's hole by hole by hole by hole. It's not a series, but I guess it kind of is because you need to do better on more holes than the opposition. Reminded me so much of the NBA playoffs and how important momentum is in series-based sports uh, like basketball, like baseball, and like golf to a degree. We like to think that playoff series go back and forth. We like to think that in an NBA series, well, one team wins game one, another team wins game two, adjustments. Now the other team comes back in game three and back and forth and trading blows and trading punches. That's how we like to think about an NBA playoff series. And I think we like to think about golf the same way. Two guys who are red hot, they're striking the ball well, they're making their putts, they're chipping the ball up onto the green, everything's cooking, and they're going back and forth, and they're trading birdies, and neither one can pull ahead, and it's so great, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Most of the time, that's not how it goes. We like to think of an NBA playoff series as this back-and-forth heavyweight fight. Very often, it doesn't go that way. We like to think of golf the same way, and occasionally that happens. Occasionally, we get a great playoff, and it comes down to two guys, and they're trading great shots at the end. Most of the time, that's not how it goes in an NBA playoff series. Most of the time, that's not how it goes in golf. Remember watching Scheffler last year? He just kind of ran away with it. He caught a a wave of momentum. He he caught a wave of of hitting the ball really well, and he just kind of ran away with it. And the same has happened in in just our experience of watching the Bucs. Think of Bucs Raptors in 2019 in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bucs got out to a 2-0 lead, and then what happened? The Raptors won four in a row to advance. Not because they they came out on top of some great back and forth and they just happened to land the right punch. No, they got a little momentum in Game 3, a game that the Bucs could have won. Still hurts to think about that game. Hurts less now that the Bucs have won a title, but still hurts. And the Raptors took that momentum, 
built on it, and the Bucks slipping, 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 couldn't take, couldn't land another punch. The Raptors win four in a row, and they win the series. Milwaukee versus Brooklyn in 2021. Now, that series had a little back-and-forth flavor at the end, but at the beginning, the Nets won the first two games. It, it looked like the Bucs weren't even capable of playing basketball. Right? And then the Bucs came back and won two in a row. So there was a back-and-forth element, but early on it looked like all Nets, and then it looked all bucks for the next two games, right? These long stretches of games and of, and of real life days where it looks like it's only going to be the Nets. It's only going to be the Bucks or the finals against the Suns in 2021. The Suns jump out to a 2 nothing lead and very similarly, a little deja vu to 2019, the Bucks win four in a row. And I remember saying at the time, it's like, if the Bucks want to come back and win the series, they got to win four in a row. They just got to keep the streak going because if the Suns are able to get off the mat and win another game, it's going to be harder for the Bucks to grab a hold and win another game. So once you get going, you got to keep going. We see that in the NBA playoffs a lot. And with golf, it it's similar. I realize golf, basketball, different sports, right? You're going hole by hole, not game by game. There's not series in golf per se, right? But golf and basketball have a little bit of overlap in that they're very repetitive sports. A three-point shooter shoots the same way every time a golfer tries to shoot the same way every time and sometimes when you're mentally out of it a little bit you're on your heels you don't have the momentum a a very routine three-point shot or a very routine drive starts to not feel routine and just watching John Rahm play with confidence and play with all the juice yesterday and then John John Rahm pulling away pulling away and Brooks trying to get off the mat trying to get that birdie desperately trying to land a punch he couldn't land a punch because In sports, there's not a lot of back-and-forth punching. We like to think there is, but all too often, it's one party or one team or one player grabbing a hold of the momentum and very often not letting it go. And we've seen that with the Bucs in the playoffs. That's a little bit of how I saw the Masters in the final round yesterday. Really fun, beautiful weather. Took a little bit longer, right, making up because of the rain and because of the stoppages, but I'd say well worth it. That has been Talking Golf. Ben Kenny will join us in a little bit to give his actual expert analysis on what happened yesterday. All right, let's shift to this. The Brewers. Let's talk about the Brewers. They've won four times since we last talked last Tuesday night. The bullpen hasn't allowed a run in seven games. Most importantly, set the win-loss record aside. Set aside any statistics from the bullpen or any of the hitter. Most importantly, the energy is really good. Both in the dugout, in the clubhouse with the players, right with the bullpen, with everyone on the team. But the energy is also really good with the fans right now, which is a sea change from where we were during the offseason as a fan base, where we were on opening day, where we're like, this sucks. This looks just like last year's team. They can't hit. They're swinging for the fences. The pitching is good, but not good enough. What are we doing here? We felt defeated this last offseason. And on opening day against the Cubs and for a big part of Saturday's game the next day as well, we felt defeated. We felt down. The vibes were not good. The vibes were bad. The vibes were poor. And now, like I said, four wins later, because we haven't talked since last Tuesday. And by the way, thanks to Ben and Zach and, and everyone for filling in. I love and appreciate those guys. You know this, but right, they helped me out last Thursday and Friday and, and Wednesday. So they've won four times since we've last talked. What's changed? Well, what's changed? The energy has done a complete 180. The fan excitement has done a complete 180. From what I can see, the vibes and the energy in the dugout has done a complete 180. So what's changed? What's different? And don't tell me winning, right? Don't do Well, winning cures all. Yeah, but the season is 162 games long. 
Brewers fans, we might be annoying and, and we might have our quirks, but we're not stupid. Right? We're not looking at this this series win over the Cardinals and the series win over the Mets and saying, this is a different team, World Series bound. No, 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 it's, it's still very much the same team that we saw last year. Right? It's still a team that's led by starting pitching. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Gotten to know them quite a bit over the last couple of years. Eric Lauer as well. It's not like the starting pitching has changed much. The offense hasn't changed much. Yelich is still Yelich, although he hit a home run yesterday. Right? And you're like, well, they brought in new bats. They they brought in new bats last year. There's always a little bit of turnover. They're, they're flipping Jackie Bradley Jr. for Hunter Renfro. They're flipping Hunter Renfro for Jesse Winker. It's more of the same. It's change, but it's not the type of change that we haven't seen in off seasons previous, the bullpen still doesn't have Josh Hader. And it's not like they added any high level relievers to go with Devin Williams. It's still Devin Williams and a lot of guys. So not a ton has changed. And yet fans are excited about the Brewers as I've seen maybe since 2019, maybe in the last two years, right? Fans are more excited than I've seen them in a while. That's the power of new that's the power of new, baby. That's the power of exciting young players like Bryce Trang and Joey Weimer and William Contreras as well. That's what's changed. The DNA of this team remains the same. The, the MO, the blueprint for how this team is supposed to win and how they're supposed to play and how council's supposed to manage them and how they're supposed to act, none of that has changed. We just have a couple of new faces. That's the power of new. That's the power of exciting young players coming up like Joey Weimer, Bryce Trang, and... William Contreras, who, who they added. The Brewers have been trying to sustain success really since 2017. And, and you can label it differently. You can you can call it something else. Bites at the apple. right? They're trying to get as many, many uh, lottery tickets as possible. They're just trying to get in and see what happens. Whatever language you want to use. I, do, I don't care. I, I'm going to say sustain success. They've been trying to sustain success and hold open this contention window Really, since 2017, when they came up a, a day or, or a dollar short of the postseason, I think it was one game, right? The Manny Pena should have bunted season. Remember that in July or June or whatever, whatever that was? That's never left my head. They've been trying to sustain success, and they've done a really good job. The problem is when a team tries to contend for a long stretch of seasons, long time, things get stale. Right? We get used to seeing Christian Yelich ground the ball to first base. It's like, oh, we've been watching this for three years. This is getting tired. Right? We've watched great starting pitching performances from Woodruff or Burns or Peralta. We've seen those starts get squandered for a couple of years now when the offense can't score. How wears this out? When we're watching more of the same, even if it's good, even if the Brewers are by and large winning more games than they're losing, even if they're in the race for the division or a wild card, it gets boring. It gets stale. This happened with the Packers as well. Right, especially towards the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, and I'm assuming that it's done because I still think he's going to get traded. Towards the end, it's like, do they have a good number two behind Devontae Adams? We've only been asking that question for four years. Can the defense just be top 15 in the league? We've only been doing that conversation since 2013. It gets stale. We're seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, this year with the Brewers, a little bit of a new energy because there's new voices. There's new talent new young players that are bringing new traits to the table. And that makes a world of difference, not just for the players on the team and the clubhouse. And and as we talked about last week, I think Craig Council likes to manage a team like that. I think this is his type of team because he's enjoying experiencing 
everything for the first time with Bryce Trang and Joey Weimer. I, I said it's like Christmas is a parent, right? You, you grow up when you're, when you're a kid. Christmas is magical. It's great. And then you get a little older and it kind of loses its magic. But when you have kids of your own, you get to enjoy Christmas and see the magic through them and the magic kind of returns. It's the same with council managing a team like this. He's been around baseball so long and he's managed so long now that I think he maybe lost a little bit of the magic in baseball. Now he gets to experience it through Bryce Trang and Joey Weimer. That impacts council. That impacts the clubhouse locker room. It impacts the fan base. Fan, fan base was dead at the end of last year. The ballpark was dead. No longer. And I don't think that's just because they won a couple of series here. There, there's genuine excitement because there's new voices. There's new energy. There's just new. That's the power of new. 608 Take a three-minute break. Come back, talk a little bit more Brewers baseball before we get to Ben Kenny to talk Masters, to talk golf. He'll be here at 435. It's Neil Diamond Week on the Wisco Sports Show. We'll be back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Red, red wine. Go to Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. It's Neil Diamond Week. It's one of the best weeks of the year. It might be the best week of the year. It was nice. I took three days of vacation last week. Went to see some family. I was a coastal elite for a couple of days. And I come back, it's 70 degrees. And it's Neil Diamond Week. This is pretty tough to beat. 608 796 2558. Let's talk to a little Brewers baseball before we get to Ben Kenny to talk about the Masters and Brooks Kepka. As Nance said so many... Nance is on one yesterday. I'm excited to talk about that with Ben coming up in a bit. But right now we're talking about the Brewers who have won four games since we last talked. A series against the Mets, a series against the Cardinals, and now they're on the West Coast, which means Brewers in bed all week, which I love. 608-796-2558. Cone Roller is here. Hello, Cone. How are you? And, Hello, Grant. Oh, I can hear you. Welcome back. Thank God. The phone's been on the fritz a little bit. I was scared this wasn't going to work. I, thank you for welcoming me back. It's great to hear your voice. Yeah, you as well. And it's, it's almost a travesty we have to come back to Neil Diamond week because, in my opinion, he's extremely overrated and oh, really true. hasn't put out that many good songs. And my biggest issue with him is he's put out, I think, at least one Christmas album, maybe two. And he's Jewish. Well, you can be Jewish and a good businessman. I mean, people love people love Christmas music. People buy Christmas music. You don't need to like Neil's music. I'm not saying it's complex, but the man is a showman, and the man has sold that many records for a reason, Cone. Yeah, you know, game respects game, so I'll there give you him that. And I do, like, I do like the song America. So. Oh, yeah. Because you're a patriot. Because you love this country. Amen. Yeah. I'm wondering, did Bob Keselowski sing God Bless America yesterday to anybody who went to the game? Did Bob Keselowski sing God Bless America? He always does on Sunday, right? Yeah, exactly. But I didn't see it on the broadcast, so I wasn't sure. Well, you know, maybe that's censorship from Washington. They don't want any patriotism. From Bally Sports, probably. They probably blacked it out. You probably can't see God Bless America in the country. It would go against their blackout rules. You're in Phoenix. You're going to a game against the Diamondbacks this week, aren't you? Yep, I will be there tomorrow night. So who are you most excited to see? We're talking about some of the new faces on the Brewers. Weimer, Terang, Contreras. You know, who are you really locking in on? Who are you excited to see? 
Uh, Garrett Mitchell, for sure. I think he's kind of the the standout in these this young class. I think he's got the the it factor. If I had to make a guess or bet right now on which one of these young guys is going to have the best career, I would put money on Garrett Mitchell. Um, but I'm also excited to see Christian Yelich and kind of make an assessment if, if he's back or not. We uh, It's so funny because love a miserable game or a miserable series. And then just when it feels like it's about to reach a breaking point, at least on Brewers Twitter, he'll hit a home run and have a couple of hits like he did yesterday. So I, it's like we're going to be chasing our tail, I think, with Christian Yelich for years to come. Yeah, I mean, the conversation after Saturday's shutout was bad. It was. I mean, people were ready to cut Christian Yelich, trade him, figure out who you, what prospect you could bundle to make a team accept Yelich's contract. And then Sunday he goes what three for four with the home run and yeah. people are oh he's back all the haters you guys need to be quiet it's, like, it's you know no. it's very similar to the Craig Guard conversation yeah that's true we we need we need something like the Greg Guard gauge with Yelich it's something that's that's in the works I don't know there, there's there's two points of conversation like with Guard it's either fire Guard or tough night to be in the fire Guard crowd with Yelich it's either he sucks and he needs to go or is he back after a day like yesterday, which is pretty toxic, but also like kind of what makes sports fun in a weird way. Like it is really funny. I agree. I love the discourse of it. Brewers Twitter in general is just fun. I just saw Anabam or whatever his name is. He just tweeted at us. So I, I love it. Bally, so Bally Sports the- does not have the budget to show Bob's God bless America. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. They get all the ad dollars they can. Yeah. Well, I uh, I gotta let you go, Cone. We gotta get to Ben Kenny, who uh, kind of like us is a coastal elite. I became a coastal elite after being in California for a week. I know you're not on the coast, but you're mighty close to it. Although folks seem pretty grounded in Phoenix, wouldn't you think? Yeah, we're 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 not coastal elites here. We're just some hardworking Americans, you know, looking to do the best for our country. Wake up every day, salute the flag, say the pledge of allegiance. Yep. You know, that's the things we down here in Arizona yeah, yeah, yeah. where you coastal elites just wake up, forget people's birthdays and, and all that. Uh, that is something that we do. Uh, appreciate you, Cone. Have a great night. It was nice to hear you. Yep. Thanks, Grant. Cone Roller. I learned this morning uh, in the Wisconsin Twitter sphere, it was Cone's birthday last week and I did not wish him a happy birthday. So add Cone onto the list of callers who are beefing with me the list is Dave from Monona and Cone, although Cone still calls. I respect, so I, I can make it up to Cone. Uh, some people following up on the Bob Keselowski discourse. Ona Bam says, Bally Sports does not have the budget to show Bob's God Bless America. Well, with the pitch clock, who has the time? We're wrapping these games up. we got to sell all the liquor in, in all of 55 minutes because, well, I guess now they extended the deadline past the seventh inning. There's no time for Bob. You think they had a conversation with Bob? you got to think faster. Uh, Jeremy and Scotty says, Bob saying it aired. So maybe fake news coming from, from Phoenix, from Cone Roller. Let's take a break, and we'll talk to my fellow coastal elite, Ben Kenny, who hails from the East Coast. Uh, a little East Coast, West Coast discourse. Uh, some coastal conversations coming up next. Ben Kenny to talk masters. He is the golf expert and the golf insider to the Bill Michaels Show. He'll join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Home, I wrote anywhere that I was, I wrote. 
the biggest problem that I had when I was younger was finding enough paper. Really, I wrote on just about anything in the back of receipts and paper bags because there was just never enough paper. I guess it's a hangover from that now uh, because I've achieved a, a relative affluence. I go out and buy dozens of yellow legal pads and just put them neatly in the corner and just look at them and, you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of my great luxuries. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Neil Diamond Week. It's possibly the best week of the year. And if you're like, I haven't been listening to this show that long, what's going on? This is about as deep as it gets. We just listen to Neil Diamond. But we try to carry his spirit through the way we talk about Wisconsin sports. Ebo's going to join us. Ebo's a big diamond head. Doesn't really have a good ring. Ebo loves him some Neil. He's going to join us later this week. Maybe I'll replay our Neil Diamond song draft from last year. Maybe I'll, I'll just reshare the old link. Uh, because it's still up in podcast form. You can always listen to the show in podcast form. Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find this show and every episode of this show that's ever aired. If you really want to go back and celebrate previous Neil Diamond weeks, get in there. Dig in. Just search Wisco Sports Show wherever you get your shows. Now, aside from the Neil, we've talked brewers, talked a little golf, and I thought let's talk to our resident golf expert, And that's Ben Kenny. I talked to him this afternoon right when the Bill Michaels show ended. Here's our conversation. Ben Kenny is here. Uh, It does say in his Twitter bio, does it still say that you were Bill Michaels' number one golf critic, by the way? That's still a title that you hold? I am. Proudly. Good. The only golf critic that he somewhat employs. Still the best. That would make me number one golf critic. Yeah, you are our master's man today. I wanted to have you on because I I watched like all of it yesterday because I was in an airplane early on. So it was was two rounds yesterday. I basically saw it start to finish. You know that I don't play golf, but I watch the majors because they're important. And the Masters is my favorite just because it looks awesome and it sounds awesome. So my casual question to get us into to golf, like, is there a better American sports television product than the Masters? Like, if I worked in sports TV and I wanted to do the best, coolest thing that American sports has to offer, I think it would be the Masters. Nance was dialed and just every part of it is so awesome. Hmm. That's a very good question. It depends. It depends on what you're into. And there are some very nitpicky things with golf broadcasts that are tough to wrap your head around when it comes to the coverage. Yeah. Because there's so many guys out there playing at the same time and the story changes as the day goes on, which is why you see a guy like Sam Bennett, the amateur who started Sunday morning in the third round playing with Rom and Kepka. He ended up getting dropped from coverage as it goes on later in Sunday because he wasn't a factor. Yeah. And it's tough because you might have a guy like Mickelson and Spieth, who I would love to get into, and we make will. a crazy charge out of nowhere, but they're on the other side of the golf course than the leaders. So how do you cover that in real time? And now that we have all the access to the shots on Masters.com or just in general, like on an ESPN app, now that everybody knows everything that's happening instantaneously, it makes it hard for the broadcast to cover everything at the same time. Yeah. So there are very nitpicky things like that, but I would agree it is one of, if not the greatest American television products. They pipe in the bird noises, which Love once it. you know that they're fake, you cannot unhear it. Everything is spray painted green. Nance was, Nance was on. One. He was unbelievable. It was awesome. And this year was also the first year with Trevor Immelman next to him, taking over for Nick Faldo and Immelman's great. 
much better than Faldo, in my opinion, at doing the job. That was a great addition. I love Vern Lundquist to death. Couple tough moments there, ah. but I'm not gonna not gonna go after him. He's arguably my favorite broadcaster ever. But overall, it was a it was a terrific product. Friend of network uh, Eric Eager, who I'm gonna have on later this week, so I'll plug that. Uh, he used to be a PFF, now he's at Sumer. He tweeted because he's a Chiefs fan. I think at some point last year, he's like the way that Nance says Kelsey, right? He's just in his feels about it. Because if you watch, let's say you're an AFC fan, you get used to Nance doing your big games and. Kelsey, like you can just hear it, right? And Joe Buck probably did the same thing with Rogers, Nelson Cobb, right? Just the way that Nance and his counterpart said Kepka so many times yesterday. It just really, I don't know why, but I started to focus on it. And it just kind of like it sounded perfect the way that they deliver everything. And and Nance was was obviously great. I think that's as good as he is. I like him a lot more on golf. He's fine on football, but he's so good at golf. Let's talk about Kepka. And the spot that he was in yesterday, because that's such a tough spot, right? He gets a good break with the schedule. He gets off to a, a great big lead, but that's hard, right? Because he knows that at some point somebody's going to make a run and at some point he's going to struggle. So, so talk about that dynamic Brooks out to a lead, knowing that he probably can't hold it. And then yesterday he's just struggling with white knuckles to hold on. Well, the spot he was in, he was on the CW. Yeah. The crosswalk. Yeah. Which was an all time line just thrown in there. Tremendous. I don't think the spot Kepka was in was at all foreign or very tough, honestly. Okay. He played on the good side of the draw. He went out late early on Thursday and Friday, so he avoided the bad weather. And Rom is obviously the one guy up there contending, but this is a guy in Kepka that had successfully defended four major titles. He's been in this spot a lot. I think this spot can eat up somebody who, someone like Rory, who is in Augusta knowing he hasn't won it and feels the pressure of the world. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't see the spot eating up a guy like Kepka who for two PGA championships and two U S opens has done it. I think what's interesting for him is that he's been a complete non-factor, a relevant figure in the golf world since honestly, Phil Mickelson won his last major in 2021, that PGA championship when Kepka was in the final group. And then he dealt with injuries. He goes to live partially because of the injuries I think the story more is the return of him contending in majors, which for years he was always there. He just yeah. always found himself there, really talked about not caring about the rest of the events and that those were the ones that mattered. So I don't really make much of his collapse, honestly, if you want to call it a collapse. Collapse is maybe harsh, but then again, I don't really know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. Well, and I don't think he was in a very tough spot. I, Augusta fits him so well. He plays well there. All he had to do was just – really what Rom did for the back nine on, on late Sunday, he just needed to play his whole day like that, which yeah. is take all the trouble out of play, just play very conservatively, and pick your spots once or twice to make a birdie. And Rom did it to perfection, and that's what Kepka needed to do. He just he wasn't hitting the ball well. And, and in golf, you could say people collapse. There are moments where you enter a final round up three shots, and you just can't hit the ball well. And yeah. then – it's much harder to make birdies and pars when you're hitting behind trees. And that's, that's where he was at. Well, and it made me think of basketball a little bit. Like I had all day to watch this yesterday and I'm not a golf nut. So I'm trying to watch and to take things away from it and to, to try to, you know, bring content to the show. And it made me think of basketball. Like when a team gets out to a 24 to six lead, cause they hit a bunch of threes and that's great. Right. But you know that you can't hold that the whole game. So when the, the, the push from the opponent eventually comes, Right, the team that, that gets off to that lead gets tight or it gets stressed. You feel like you're blowing it even though you're not. And it's, I guess, somewhat similar in golf. There's there's four days, 
there's a round every day and it's just too long to hold on. So I, I don't know. It was interesting. I don't, I don't mean to tear down Brooks. Like, Rob well, he's used to great. 54 holes, Grant. Yeah, I suppose. Not to make that joke, but that is why when you talk about live versus all other professional golf, that's why it's seen as a, there are a lot of reasons, but that's why it's seen as a grossly unserious product, yeah. let alone competitive landscape. Cause they play a different game. You saw what happened. You saw all that could happen from hole 54 to 72. Uh-huh. Phil Mickelson was at one under. Spieth was at two under. A bunch of guys like Hovland were up there. Kepka had a multi-shot lead. And then you turn around at the end, and Rom wins by three shots. Nicholson's up there for no reason. Like, 72 holes is important. So I'm not going to say it's the reason he lost, but the jokes write themselves. I, well, yeah. I was going to ask you about living a couple of minutes. I want to talk about Rom, and I want to talk about some of the other guys that charged in the final round, like Spieth. And like Phil, but let's do live seeing you brought it up. Like, are there any live takeaways from yesterday? Because I just a surface level golf fan. I didn't really think about it at all, except for some of the jokes. Right now, I was aware of it. Like, oh, Brooks is a live guy. Phil's a live guy. But it, it didn't really influence the way that I watched or cheered for any of these guys. How did you see it? Did you see it through a live lens? That's terrible. Not who I wanted to win. OK, but it kind of frustrated me that the guys like Mickelson, who still clearly have some magic left, and Kepka, and Reed, who is up there, yep. and even Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith, who were non-factors. It frustrates me that they're not playing against everybody else every week because, again, I like live is a very unserious competitive landscape. And I, honestly, some people have said this, and I agree, that Masters, the whole tournament and the final round, could show you that they don't care about live. That when they're there, they're not really trying. And they know that when they go to majors, this is what happens when they actually try. Which, again, number one, the product itself is impossible to watch. Number two, it just takes away from the interest of competitive golf. Because all of them, whether you like them or not, are interesting. Yeah. And whether you like Kepka and wanted him to win, his presence there really helped the tournament and really the entire final round watching experience. He's a name and a, and a personality we know, like Phil. Like, we can latch on to those guys, even people like me, right, who don't follow golf closely. I mean, Phil was out there in a black T-shirt, a high flyers quarter zip, and these disgusting sunglasses, and shot 65. And it probably should have been a 63. He missed some looks. It was it was probably the most remarkable thing I've ever seen an athlete do. I was watching, I was watching the, the final round yesterday at my girlfriend's parents' house. And my girlfriend's mom went to Arizona State, may have went on a date or two at some point with Phil Mickelson, which is a hilarious <laughs> backstory. Incredible that that is a thing. Her dad loves golf, watches it all the time, plays it all the time, simulators every week. Can't stand Phil for reasons that he said are unrelated, and I believe him, but I like that is a fa- I can't not be a factor, right? On top of all the other annoying things that Phil does, like the fact that that was an element in my viewing experience yesterday is just so funny to me. People older than us are either Phil people or Tiger people. Yeah, yeah. It was a very clear split. Yeah. And I wasn't a golf fan when I was that young, so I missed their battles for the most part. So now I kind of just view both as kind of amazing talents that still can compete at their age, which is crazy. Phil's kind of so funny. I miss the whole one or the other. Let's let's end with John Rahm. I want to ask you that final round. We got pushes from Spieth. And Phil Hovland had his moments, although, and I don't remember, and I don't have the board in front of me, tailed off a little bit at the end. Sam Bennett had a nice final day, like he was out there as an amateur. Other than Rom, 
Like, who had the most important final round? Not just the best round, but who, like, what can you take away from that final round as most important for one of those guys who had a late push? Well, Spieth does this, like, every year, and it sucks. He's the guy I want to win more than anybody, just as a fan. And he even spoke after that he was somewhat unfocused for the first couple days because he's been playing a lot. And that has to do with the larger scale livers PGA thoughts. But he obviously has that crazy good golf in him. It's just so frustrating that he can't summon it more consistently. And then he makes some stupid mistakes to put him in that spot. I mean, the, the round was most important to Ron. Because when you actually look through it, the, the context of either A, the, he's the first European to ever win the Masters and the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. The context of who has two majors versus one. That's night and day. And... He's a guy that's been playing well enough over the last three years to win a lot of majors, only had one. So it's these kind of wins that you kind of need to validate what everything else tells you. And it's his fourth win of the year. And, I mean, when you look at what he had to go through, he started the the tournament with a double bogey on the first hole, four-putted the first hole for double, shot 65, but on the bad end of the draw and still won by four. Yeah. Which is remarkable. Like, that's a historic performance. It didn't look like it because he was chasing Kepka, But Kepka somewhat had a gift wrapped because he played on a much easier side of the draw and I didn't spot the field two strokes on the first hole of the tournament. What makes John Rahm a good golfer, specifically? If you're talking about his game and, and how he's different from other guys at his level, what makes him great? Well, for a while, he was the best driver or one of the best drivers He's always been a a generational driver of the golf ball and uh, looking, pulling up his profile. I mean, he's just made massive strides in every other category. He does everything well. That's really it. And you kind of saw it in the last round. He drove the ball very well, was never in trouble. He hit the ball well to where he was aiming, which often was not at flags. He putts very well or well enough. And the one thing that hurt him last year was his putting kind of left him. But he just does everything like nearly perfectly or, or very well. And when you don't have a weakness like Hovland, Hovland was never going to win because he's a t- like he can't chip. If you put him around a green, it's a disaster. But if you get a guy like Rom, there's just no way that it all comes unraveled because of how good he is in every facet. So when it all and it all, all has to come together still over the course of 72 holes. But uh, it, it, he's just great at great at everything. It's just really fun to watch people who are are highly competent at whatever they're doing. And this goes for movies or TV, but sports, like just watching a guy that final round and the commentators, I thought highlighted it really well. Like, Oh yep, That's exactly where he wanted to put it. Yep. That was the perfect lie. Like he was aiming right. If whether he's being a little bit more aggressive or playing it more conservatively, it just found like he was hitting his spots and everything was, was landing and playing exactly the way that he wanted. It was fun to watch, even though I'm, not a golfer and can't deeply understand a lot of things that are going on. Are you playing golf this week? Tell us about your game before we say goodbye. I'll play golf this week. Yeah. Where, where are I you at with your Saturday? Game? Actually, I was out at, at nine o'clock on Saturday, actually with some colleagues here at Midwest family. Oh, um, some, some work people randomly. So I played with them. That was great. I'm hitting the ball. Okay. Putting the ball. Well, uh, so the game's rounding into form. I think I'm going to play, Wednesday, probably twice this weekend. Like the courses are opening and there's nothing yeah. else, nothing else of substance to do really. So 16 sunshine and lacrosse. You come play in the bluffs, some beautiful courses. I actually don't know anything about 
No, we have the Bill Michaels Open on May 6th. Really? Where? In Viroqua. Oh, have you? Are you going? I, I'm playing in it. Yeah. Oh, you've never been to Ver. You've never been. Have you been to this side of the state ever? Nope. Oh, I think I think you're gonna love it. I'm. We need to chat again because Viroqua is awesome, and 90 percent of the people who live in Wisconsin like don't know what it's like down there. It's super cool. So good luck. Hit the ball cool. true, or what? What do golfers say to each other? Like I have a buddy who's a fly fishing guy. They always say tight lines to each other, which makes no sense to me. What do golfers just say? Hit, hit it good. Hit it good. Well, hit it good, Ben. Thank you for coming on and telling us about the Masters. I have one final word. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned Sam Bennett. What, what can we take away from the final round? Uh-huh. Great story, him being an amateur. But uh, he's one of the slowest players I've ever watched in my life. I heard a lot of complaints about this. The amount of time it takes him to pull the trigger on a shot, that's, that's going to have to go when we go moving forward. He's just a kid, Ben. Cantlay falls into that. He's 23. He's older than some of the kids in the field. He's a kid. It makes him a kid. He's younger than okay, us. Sure. But in the future, I in the future we're monitoring the fact that he is deathly slow. He'll work on that. I'm sure. And that's all. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> hit it true or hit it good this weekend. Thanks, Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Happy Neil Diamond Week. My name is Grant Bills. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. We thank Ben Kenny for his time and his golf analysis, as always, especially the Masters. I love the Masters. Golf is not my favorite sport, but I love watching it. And I love all the majors. Go watch the majors because those are the big ones. Those are the ones that matter the most. I can't dictate hours of my life every week to watching golf, but here and there throughout the year, I like the majors. And I like Ben Kenny. You can find him on Twitter at Ben Z Kenny. Going to get back into sports, Brewers, Packers, Bucks. I still have things to say about all three, and we'll do that after 5 o'clock. I do have a concert review that we have to do because I went to a concert on vacation last week. I'm going to another concert on Thursday, so we're getting another concert review. I'm going to be at the Sylvie on Thursday night for Goose, which is going to rock. I have a couple of people who I go back and forth with on Twitter who I think listen to the show from time to time. We're going to be there. I saw John Mayer last weekend at the XL and ran into, like, somebody came up to me about the show. I'm not making this up. I would not make this up. This would be embarrassing to make up. Uh, At the Loon Cafe, which is just around the way from the X, which if you go to a lot of shows in the cities, which I do because it's closer than Milwaukee and Chicago, the X is the best. It's just so much better than the Target Center. On Thursday, I saw Mayer again two times in a week. Flex. He's at the Acrisure Center in Palm Desert, California. I'd never been. It's like right next to Palm Springs. I'm not really sure the difference between the two. It's a brand new arena. It opened in December. Super nice. I like out there all the concourses are outside. So you step into your section inside. You step out to go to the bathroom, to go get food. It's just all outside, which I love. I think we confused the security woman because we drank a walking beer on our way in, which is a thing walking to the brewery games. I'm not going to walk from my car all the way to the gate without a beer in my hand. So we did that. And the the lady was so confused. She's like, we have beer in there. I'm like, I know, but this one didn't cost me anything. She's like, you can't take it in. I know this is for the walk. It just was not clicking for her. I always ask three questions related to any concert. You always debrief a concert. You got to do it. Three questions. Favorite song, a song that we gained new appreciation for 
and a song that maybe you were set on hearing. Did you get it? Yes or no. If you got it, how did you feel? Those are always my three talking points. Favorite song was probably Neon. I've seen Mayor four times now. I've never seen a Neon. It's pretty kick-ass. It did not disappoint. So I'm going to say Neon, which I wanted to see last weekend. Didn't get, got it in Palm Desert. Didn't get it the X. Song that I have a new form of appreciation for, probably EXO. Song actually killed, and people loved it. It's funny, but true. People went nuts for EXO. It was a solo tour, so it was just an acoustic guitar and a harmonica, which is actually perfect for the song, which is a Beyonce cover. If you don't know anything that I'm discussing and talking about, if you've never heard a John Mayer song in your life, it's a Beyonce cover. It's actually pretty good. It's not something that I listen to a whole lot. I think I'll listen to it more now. Favorite song was Neon. New appreciation song was EXO. Song I wanted to hear was tough because I just saw him a couple days before this. I love Battle Studies, and this is a tour, a solo tour with just him and a guitar that I think bodes well for songs about Battle Studies. Like, I've never seen a war of my life. Didn't get it. But we did get a Friends, Lovers, or Nothing uh, request, and he played a, a verse or two in a chorus, and it was outstanding, which I know because I was going back and forth on Twitter with Cone Roller last week. I believe that is his favorite John Mayer song. So to put a nice bow on the first hour of the show, shout out to Cone Roller, whose birthday I missed. Uh, John Mayer played your favorite song last week. Unfortunately, you were uh, you were not there. Close though, Phoenix just a couple of hours away. I did the I did the math. I looked it up on Google Maps. Yeah, Palm Desert, Palm Springs, just a couple hours from Phoenix, two or three hours. Nothing for a Midwesterner like you and me. We'll drive 24 hours like it's nothing. Save 50 bucks driving versus flying. We'll drive for 24 hours. Are you kidding me? Take a break, come back, take some texts and calls about the Brewers. I got some things to say about the Packers as well. Hour two coming up next. first hour of the show we're talking golf we had ben kenny on to break down said golf got a concert review in talk a little brewers baseball a little bit of everything we had ben kenny being critical of the the pace of play from a 23 year old ben he's just a kid come on oh and did i mention it's neil diamond week Day one of Neil Diamond Weekdays. It's like the first day of summer. You feel like you got your whole life in front of you. Trust me, Friday, 6 o'clock is going to come fast and it's going to hit hard. Like, but I don't even like Neil Diamond. Oh, you will by Friday. And by Friday at 6 o'clock, you'll be dying for next April already. We mark in your calendar. <laughs> if you're newer to the show or you've joined us in the last year and you're like, what's Neil Diamond Week? This is about it. We just play Neil Diamond and make a big deal. So people have to go, huh? What is it? Oh, it's dumb. Yes, it's 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 very dumb. It's Neil Diamond week. Should be dumb. But it is one of my favorite weeks of the year. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. 
My name is Grant Bills. Uh, we just came out of last hour, a little bit of a concert review. I went to a show at the XLS Saturday and then the Acrisure Center in Palm Desert. This is the hockey home of the Coachella Valley Fire. Hold on. I actually forgot. Let me look it up. Coachella Valley Firebirds ice hockey team. How's that for a venue? Vagabond John is called in. You're a music man, Vagabond John. The Coachella Valley Firebirds, their home stadium, just opened in December, and I got to see that venue. What a treat. How was it? You said it was, it was pretty good? It was really okay. similar to the XL. It was kind of cool because, I don't know, Palm Desert's growing. It's this huge valley, and it's not full, so there's a lot of room to expand. So it's kind of on the edge of town, really nice. I like out there everything's open air. So, like, you leave your section, and you step out in the concourse, and it's just outside. It's the same at the airports out there, whether it's in Phoenix or California. It's, it's all outside, which I love. Good sound, yeah. It was designed really well. It's brand new. It better sound good. My stadium review is U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's awful for concerts. Huh. It's – I – mostly because they shut – we got floor tickets, so we're down on the floor in front of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yep. Great band to listen to in your car. Pretty average live show. Uh, uh, I think they're just getting old. That's uh, my overall concert review. It was actually pretty. It was very excited. I think I called in and talked about it a couple times. You did. Going into it. Uh, very average. But the venue shuts down the bathrooms before the, the concert ends. Huh? And so, you know, you got a bunch of drunk people on the floor, probably 40,000 in the stadium. And they shut down the first floor bathrooms. So if you have to go pee after, you know, 17 Coors Lights or whatever it is, <laughs> you got to, like, hike all the way up to, like, the third floor. And it was weird. I'm like, this is just – Minnesota is just a different state. Oh, and yeah. They're just different over there. It is. That's why the XL is awesome. Here's the thing about U.S. Bank, and we were texting back and forth about this, and you can text me, 608-796-2558. Concerts at U.S. Bank and Soldier Field, they're just different, right? Those are your Taylor Swifts. Those are your huge – Show And the sound is just, you have to deal with that. Like, because the acts are so big and the concerts are so big, it's not going to sound great and you're not going to get super close and the sight lines aren't going to be great. But that's the only place that those types of acts play. So I, I almost put those venues, the football stadiums, the massive arenas, you almost put those in, in their own category. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing about the Chili Peppers concert for all the musicians out there, they don't play to any live tracks at all. Okay. They, everything you hear, they're not listening to any metronome whatsoever. And so, you know, myself as an amateur drummer listening to Chad Smith of the Chili Peppers mess up just as much as I would. <laughs> makes me feel a heck of a lot better about myself. That dude's been doing it a long time. Yeah. He's up there dropping sticks and missing notes and whatnot. I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. So I actually, you know, live music's not meant to be perfect. And you go and you see, you know, Taylor Swift play and everything's so rehearsed and we listen to a whole podcast on Shania Twain and what she does to prep and how perfect every note of her show is. Yeah. Uh, but then you go see the Chili Peppers and you're like, these guys kind of suck. That's kind of cool. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> suck. Well, dude, so I saw John Mayer twice last week, once in the cities, which was kind of spur of the moment. And then, uh, and then a planned, it was part of our vacation that we took in Palm Desert and it was just him. Like, can you imagine playing a 12,000 seat hockey arena and it's you and an acoustic guitar and he held a crowd and plus for the floor an, is covered yeah an hour 50 minutes like that's that's wild to me now i suck at guitar and i'm not a good singer but like that's 
that's pretty wild to me to have that big of a crowd and to keep them, for the most part, locked in. Like, people are going to go to the bathroom and stuff, but that's a lot of people to entertain with just one instrument by yourself. It was. It was my fiance and I. It was the first, like, big major concert together. We go to a lot of musicals. We go to a lot of sporting events. But in terms of concerts, as the first one. And she goes, you know what? I'm ready to commit to your Slipknot show. I want to see something <laughs> with a little more energy, a little more excitement. So she's. We're going back uh, to the XL Center. Uh, we're actually seeing Avenged Sevenfold later this year, so we'll we'll be at the XL for that. Uh, Ooh, but she, she's missed. She's like, I'm not really a metal guy, but I can see how those shows are a lot more fun than like just hanging out and listening to some Strokes because the Strokes were, you know, they're they're just pretty chill. It's pretty chill music. I am Weird seeing. For a uh, I'm going to the Sylvie on Thursday. Back again. I was there in February with my radio father, Ebo. Uh, I'm seeing Goose on Thursday night, so I'm excited. Oh, there you go. Mm. Hey, I got a dilemma. Go ahead. Um, I'll be in L.A. tomorrow night. Oh, look at you. Mother-in-law is a huge Timberwolves fan. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> is it worth, as a Wisconsin sports fan, I mean, you know, I'm calling in all the time, obviously really big into sports. Is a playing game the kind of game where if you're in a random city, if you were like, if you just happened to be in Philadelphia or Boston or some random city, and you knew that the home basketball team had a playoff game. Yeah. How committed would you be to going to get a ticket? Well, like, I don't know your financial situation. I know you're a rock star drummer, and you play in a band that tours all over the place. You probably got some some discretionary funds. If you want to see, the, the way I see it, that would be, like, the best casual NBA game to see, right? Because it's, it's not an elimination game, but it's a one-game playoff with massive stakes, and everyone's charged up. There's not a game two, three, four, five, like... I'm, I might think that if you were in a random town and you like basketball, you like the NBA, I don't know that there's a better scenario to casually go than a play-in game because you know it's going to be amped up and it's going to be charged up because there's only one of these games. It might be perfect, Vagabond John. Yeah, it'll be my second ever NBA game. The first one was earlier this year in D.C. watching Johnny Davis sit on the bench. <laughs> uh, second ever was maybe, you know, one of LeBron's last home playoff games maybe of his career, so... That's what I'm weighing. Uh, but the real reason I called in Contreras yes. is batting over 300. Yeah. And I think my take that I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on, I talked to Ben Kenny about this all the time. I put my takes in the oven. You know, I wait for him to bake for a while. We let him sit for a while. Yeah. But if this guy bats fifth, sixth, and, and hits 290, isn't this exactly the type of player that the Brewers, because you're saying, you know, it's the same team. But I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, two years ago, we were really, you know, it's all, oh, man, it's just such a such a good pitching staff. If only we had a consistent hitter. And now I'm sitting here, I'm like, huh, if this Contreras guy turns into a consistent hitter and this is acquired, you know, via the hater deal, will that justify the hater deal if they're able to win a playoff series? <sighs> Winning a playoff series is an interesting point. And Vagabond John, I realize we've been talking for a while. I'm going to let you go and keep talking about this and maybe yep. bring in some other callers because I don't want to keep the phone locked Perfect. down. Nice to hear from you. Yes, sir. Thank yes. you for sharing your concert experience as well. This is an interesting, this is a good one. Because Vagabond John texted in about William Contreras earlier. And way back at the beginning of the show, I said, not a lot has changed with this Brewers team. Not a lot, right? It's basically the same MO, it's the same blueprint, led by starting pitching, elite starting pitching, right? Woodruff, Burns, Peralta's dialed right now. It's been really fun to watch him. Lauer as well, right? These are the same names and, and faces in the starting rotation that we've been used to. 
and the offense just has to do enough, and the bullpen's built around one elite closer, and then Council kind of does his managerial magic to move the other guys around and make it work, and the bullpen's been great. They have how many innings now without surrendering a run? They're on a good streak. So it's the same recipe. Not a ton has changed except for a couple new young guys, and William Contreras is the new bat du jour. I don't know if I used that correctly. I don't even know if I pronounced that correctly. But the Brewers' last couple of years, let's not act like they've never brought in new bats. They went Jackie Bradley Jr. to Hunter Renfro. They went Hunter Renfro to Jesse Winker. We've seen this. William Contreras is a a tick above all those guys they brought in. My problem with William Contreras is that they basically tanked a season to get him. A season that they were leading the division. They were contending. They, they were going to make the playoffs, which you can't just treat as nothing. That's not nothing. This is the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not the New York Yankees where they have many pennants hanging on the outfield wall, World Series, right, AL championships. No, no, no. The Brewers don't have that. So to act like the Brewers taking a season in which they're in first place and stepping back by dealing hater, to act like that's not a big deal. That's a big deal, right? Every chance the Brewers have to make the playoffs, you've got to treat that with the importance that it deserves, which is a lot. It's the Brewers. So the Brewers, yes, traded Hader for Asteri Ruiz, and then they parlayed Asteri Ruiz into William Contreras. And William Contreras is great, and we're all going to love him, and we should. He's great. But we can't just forget that they shot themselves in the foot in the middle of a contending season to get Ruiz to then get Contreras. So I guess the question would be, and Vagabond John posed the question, and it's something we can think about and, and chew on together, what has to happen with this Brewers team and what has to happen with William Contreras to look back at that hater trade and see it as okay and justified? It'd be one thing if they traded hater in the offseason. If they traded hater in the offseason for Asteria Ruiz and, and and who is the other guy they traded, they immediately got rid of Danielson Lamette and Robert Gosser. And then in that same offseason, parlayed Asteria Ruiz into William Contreras. Okay, sure. But they did it in the middle of the season, and it really tanked their season, and it was a season that was going pretty darn well post-All-Star break. I don't get over that. Tony from Texas is here. 608-796-2558. What's up, Tony? Hey, yeah, that's a, that's a tough pill to say. I'm getting a lot of feedback there, Grant. Uh, you're getting feedback? Okay, now I'm good. You're good? Hey, okay. that, that hater trade, I don't know if we'll ever get over that. A lot of it's going to be about how hater performs moving forward, but... That was just a trade just to make a trade. It didn't make any sense. And I still don't know, kind of like the Bucks draft pick of TJ Ford, I still don't know who made that deal. Who, who made that trade? Was it our GM? Was it? Well, that, uh, well, it's, it's funny you should ask, Tony in Texas. I did some investigation uh, at Brewer Spring Training where I was for an entire week, and I was in the clubhouse. And I, I asked around. I was like, so the hater trade, because it came up. It's still discussed. In the circles of people who work around the Brewers and cover the Brewers, that was the front office, 100%. There was no pressure from everything that I heard from people who absolutely would know more than me. Mark was not pushing down on that. That that was a a move that was made by David Stearns in his front office because they thought it was what's best for the Brewers. That that was not a Mark move at all. Well, the timing was horrible. Agreed. I've, I've never seen a trade make a team much worse than it did with the Brewers. So... That was a terrible trade. But, you know, this team that they got this year, I, I could see them um, making another big trade for a reliever this year. Call me crazy like a Sal Freelich or something like that. I Oof. could see them not getting hater, obviously, but someone that is a free agent type that's a big name 
a, a, a reliever. Can't you see that, Grant? But one of their rookies, well, if they're in contention, yeah. They have now, what's the number at with the bullpen? The bullpen has gone, how many innings without allowing a run? I lost it. I had it written down. 12 or 13. Yeah. And and Craig Council's going to be good with the Strizleckis and and the Gus Varlins of the world. He's always been good with those guys. But they don't have star power in that bullpen other than Devin Williams. So I I agree. If if the Brewers are, you know, coming down the stretch this season and they look like a contender, they're going to have to add relievers. But... Everybody adds relievers after the deadline. If you, if you want to win, Tony, everyone does. That's that's not going to be unique to the I'm talking high-end, high-end, Grant. High-end reliever, yeah. i.e., like, uh, you know, t- like, like Trevor Hoffman was at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francisco, uh, what was his name? Uh, Rodriguez, K-Rod was at the end of his career, K-Rod. but was a really good reliever. Good pull. I'm talking guys that are high-end players, high-end, like, former all-star types. That's what I'm looking for. Hmm. Trying to capture some late, late uh, career magic from one of those guys. I like that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I'm, I'm with you. That's the one part of this team. Like, I don't think the offense has to be brilliant. They just have to be good enough. And I think they have a better batting order this year to be good enough. I think the starting pitching is great and has the star power. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's what the Brewers do at some point this year. I, I don't and know. And I saw your tongue-in-cheek joke on Twitter of Matt Bush. I, I know what you're trying to say there, but they do, they do need a, a veteran with – some talent still that can lock it down in that ninth inning where I'm not stressing out. So very excited about the Brewers. But I got to tell you about my Neil Diamond uh, experience growing up. Cause I was, oh, yeah. I, and I am a big Neil Diamond fan. And if one of the first songs I ever remember growing up, and I'm a little bit older than you, obviously was that America song. It came out like 1980, 81. And I, I that's one of the first songs I ever remembered Grant. And I love that song. And I always liked Neil Diamond since. That's, that's some patriotic stuff. That's what Cohen Roller, your friend and, and compadre on Twitter, that's what he said. That's because we're a patriotic show. We love this country, Tony. We're coming to yeah, America. Was that I, in the jazz singer? That was in the movie, right? I've never seen it. I should watch it. Yeah, yeah, that was. Okay. Hey, I love America. I love my Green Bay Packers, too. I got to tell you about, and I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. You are. My guy talking about the Chili Peppers there before I kind of emphasize or have empathy with him because the Chili Peppers aren't that great anymore in concert. But Pearl Jam still is. And back in 2014 at the old Bradley Center, Pearl Jam was playing uh, in, 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 you know, Milwaukee. And Aaron Rodgers and a bunch of the Green Bay Packers ended up showing up there. Aaron was in the middle of his MVP year. And Olivia Munn was there. And, and Matt Flynn and Balaga. All these guys uh, sitting, laying. I thought he was a Creed were... fan. I thought he was a Scott Stapp guy. So there's some oh, Pearl no. Jam love I, from Rodgers, too? I'm the Pearl Jam guy. But well, no, 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 no. I, like, I, I don't doubt that you're a Pearl Jam guy. I just know that Rogers loves himself some Creed. I didn't know if maybe well, like, you can like both. I think like, that's more irony. Oh. I think that's more irony than anything. I wonder with that guy sometimes. I think we think it's irony. I, I don't know. We never know what's is. real or fake with Rogers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, my but God. But it was interesting, though. Eddie Vedder did mention on stage that he wanted to trade Jay Cutler for Aaron Rodgers because he's a big Bears fan. So, we all got a kick out of that. Then Matt Flynn was uh, getting body passed in the, in the mosh pit. So that was one of my favorite concerts ever. Seeing my, my two worlds collide, Pearl Jam and the Packers, and that was a good time. But anyway, Grant, uh, NBA playoffs are here. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. That guy going to L.A., definitely got to go to L.A. If you got the chance to go to a game, Staples Center, Crypto.com uh, Arena, Crypto.com Arena, Tony. Oh, whatever it's called, Grant, it's a good venue. <laughs> I like that place. Crypto, Staples, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You call it AmFam. I call it Miller Park. Uh, it's Either way, same place. 
go check that out. Whatever. Well, who's that guy? Vagabond John, the Red Shed on Twitter. Yeah, Vagabond John, go check it out. Go there with the mother-in-law. Check out the T-Wolves. The T-Wolves who are imploding in front of us. What a terrible trade. Yeah, that's Jeez. what I'm going to talk about next. I'm excited to talk about that. We're going to talk about some bucks. They played yesterday, not that you know it, which is amazing. Wish we could. Well, I don't care. The Timberwolves wish we could say the same for them. I, I have no horse in that race. No wolf in that race. Thank you, Tony. I'm going to take a break. Thanks for the story. All right, buddy. See you, Grant. Tony in Texas. And we will play him off to uh, his song. It's Neil Diamond Week, so we're celebrating every chance we can all week long to celebrate the greatest showman to ever grace the stage. Wisco Sports, let's talk NBA. Let's talk about the Wolves that Tony mentioned and the Bucks and how they're drama-free. And I just love them for it. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. your week is off to an outstanding start. The sun is shining. It's like 70 degrees. I can't imagine a, a place you'd rather be than somewhere in the state of Wisconsin. Maybe you're in Eau Claire, Madison, La Crosse, somewhere in between. Celebrating the warm weather. Maybe your window's down on your drive home and you're listening to Neil Diamond Week on the Wisco Sports Show. This is as good as it gets, folks. This is about as good as it gets. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Like I said, you can text a call 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Uh, a couple of tweets throughout the last two hours of, of the program that I should address. Uh, this one's from Jordan. Says F Neil. A little harsh. Uh, P F Ween commenter says Neil Diamond Week greater than sign Shark Week. Well, yeah, well, we're not like Shark Week. Shark Week has a tendency. I don't know if you saw these headlines the last time Shark Week happened. Uh, Shark Week has a tendency to overrepresent white male scientists and what was what was the headline white male scientists who had a certain name was it mike i'm gonna google shark week white guys what was it here it is fox news this is what i want shark week quote blasted for overwhelmingly featuring white men and now it won't load there was a name there was a specific name and that's why it was funny Let's see. Studies co-author suggested discovery was being discriminatory. Quote, maybe it's not an accident anymore. I don't know. It seems like white people have nothing better than to do than to go to school and study sharks. It's probably more of a white guy activity. Just saying. Okay. Featuring too many white males as shark experts continuing to peddle negative messages about sharks. I thought shark loves as a kid. Shark con- uh, conservation and overwhelmingly featured white men as experts, including several with the same name. What was the name? I can look this up later. I don't I don't have to do this right now. I probably shouldn't do this right now. Q is here, I'm assuming, to talk bucks. Q, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Yes, I am here to, to help you transition into the NBA. Thank God. Um, Thank you. I needed, I needed a lifeline like those poor swimmers needed a lifeline before the shark 
to put, put their legs so, on, which is the type of negative shark discourse we're trying to get away from. Sorry, Q, go ahead. I'm, I'm also getting a little feedback, but um, like Tony was, but uh, it's, it's, it's tolerable. Is that, better? So, is that better? I just turned a little knob. Did that fix it by chance? Test, test. Yeah, that's much better. Um, I can't hear myself now. Um, so I, it's going to seem like a weird transition, but I'm talk. I called in to tell you about what happened to me over lunch today. Okay, where I ran into two gold medal winners that live in the city of Milwaukee. Can you guess who they are? Um. Oh man, probably. They're not. also married. They're also are they? They're married to each other. To each other. Would it be Zach Ertz and Julie Ertz? No. Dumb answer, Grant. Be better. Uh, it's also related to the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I feel like I should know this then. Why don't I know this? Who is it? So, Drew Holiday and his wife, Lauren. Oh, I didn't know I his, ran into them over it, lunch today. What is she? What did she get a gold medal for? What does she do? I sound like soccer. She's a okay. professional soccer player. All right. All right. So, that and makes she, won, she won a uh, Women's World Cup as well. But uh, the re- so that's cool for me. But the reason this is cool for, yeah, for you and the listeners is the last time that the Bucks won the NBA Finals, I ran into Coach Bud over lunch <laughs> right before they played the Heat. So yeah. I'm just saying we should all back up the right. truck on our favorite betting sites and, and go along on Bucks winning the Finals. Do you, do you eat lunch at Pfizer Forum every day? Like where are you? Like where do you eat lunch? <laughs> So I ran into Coach Bud at the public market in the third ward. He was buying flowers. Oh, he's uh, and classic Coach Bud. I love that for him. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Drew and Lauren were at a different market called the Third Street Market today. Okay. And I, I was having lunch with a coworker, and I was like, that guy has really nice dreadlocks. And then I looked over, and I was like, and that looks like Drew Holiday's wife. And then I looked at the guy with nice dreadlocks again, and I was like, holy cow, that is Drew Holiday. Did you and say anything by to the him? Time all this, uh, I I didn't because by the time all this came over me, I had like a giant smile on my fa- face, and he looked a little scared. So I I just let it slide. <laughs> yeah, no, I I got you there. I just you know what I appreciate about the Bucks right now, Q. Other than they dine at at your favorite establishments, which is also great, is this team has a complete and total lack of drama. Like, what went on with the Wolves yesterday? What's the most dramatic thing that happened with the Bucks this year? Bill Simmons once said that they're a mess when they were losing some games. That's as dramatic as they ever got. Meanwhile, you look around the rest of the league, there was a fight on the Clippers bench yesterday with Bones Highland. Rudy Gobert and Kyle Anderson were going at it. I forgot the Bucks played yesterday. Like, that's how little drama there is. And I think in the NBA, that's half the battle. It's just cutting out the drama, cutting out the noise. And the Bucks are really good at that. Yeah, and I think... Um, much like the Spurs where uh, Coach Bud cut cut his teeth, um, I think that we have such a consistent roster, and we only make little tweaks to the back end of the rotation. Um, and I, I truly believe that after securing the one seed this year, there's nothing that can stop us besides a, a health issue to one of the starters. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think there's a lot of Spurs comps, the way that Bud coaches, but like I think Tim Duncan and Giannis are very similar. Maybe not in their game 100%, but in the way they operate, they're just quiet, they're mild-mannered, and I think in today's NBA especially, that goes a long way. Hugh, I got to take a break here in a minute. 
thank you. If you see any other Bucks players and or Olympic gold medalists, please make sure we're the first to know. I enjoyed that. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Will do. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, Q in Milwaukee. Appreciate you listening, Q. 608-796-2558. I want to talk about this idea more. The idea that the Bucks don't have any drama and they're not a team with much noise. And you might think, well, sure, the Timberwolves are dramatic and you know, the the the, the Celtics, they, you know, Jalen Brown isn't happy about his contract. But Grant, there's not that much drama in the NBA. Oh, contraire, mon frere. For I went through every NBA team today. I was like, is there anything going on? You would be amazed at the list I came up with. And I didn't even I didn't look anything up. I was just looking at NBA.com and the list of teams. I was like, oh, the Clippers. Do they have it? Oh, yeah, they got something. Everybody's got something. Except our Bucks, which is probably why they're winning so many games. Let's take a break. Five minutes and we're back. We're celebrating Neil Diamond Week and talking Bucks on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm still going to sing. Do you need to still sing? Uh, well, I like singing. I've been doing it for 50 years and yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. What happens inside you when you sing? I feel good. Yeah. It's like all the systems of my mind and my body are working as one Yeah, when I'm singing, and it's a great feeling. Wisco Sports Show. We're celebrating Neil Diamond Week, day one. It's always so exciting. We have so much in front of us, so much to discuss. My radio father, Ebo, going to join us later this week. He's a big Neil Diamond fan. I always love talking Neil. Maybe the greatest showman to ever grace the stage. He was on CBS Sunday Morning last weekend, which was kind of sad because he's got Parkinson's and he's old. But also pretty cool to hear him talk about his Broadway show. Pretty cool to hear him reflect on things. And that show is just the best. The stories, the interviewing, every part of it. We're talking Bucks basketball and the Bucks lack of drama. You understand that's half the battle in the NBA. Forget about being good at offense. Forget about being good at defense. Forget about depth. Forgetting about making adjustments. Got to be able to make adjustments. Adjust, adjust. Peace and carrots. Peace and carrots. Forget about all that stuff. Are your players throwing punches at each other? No? Okay. Are are all the players at least tolerating their current contract situation? Okay, there you go. You're better than 75% of the teams in the league. It really is that simple. The NBA is wild. Let's talk to Jim and Madison. 608-796-2558. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Jim? Brother, I agree with you. I think the Bucks are going to go all the way. Um, Love this. Uh, I think they, staying away from drama, and that is so vitally important, and the morale for a team. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting like a freaking echo. I hear myself, and I really don't like myself. So what I, you know. But anyway, Why is it doing that? I don't know why it's doing that. I thought I fixed that. I'm sorry. I will I will contact the authorities and we can look at this. So hopefully it's better tomorrow. Sorry about that. Jim. All right. I haven't. I have not spoken to you in a long time, and I'm. You're going to hate me. All right. Um, I'm going to throw something out to you because I believe you have enough integrity. Oh. And, and yeah. Oh. Um. I. And I'm not saying this in the political realm. I'm talking in the sports world. Okay. Yeah. I would like to know, I know you're talking about the Bucks right now, but it's killed me, brother, to see what is happening to women's sports, having dudes being able to compete 
Now we got a PGA dude going up in women's golf. My point is, you don't need to discuss it today, but I really, really, really would like to hear your opinion. Uh, no, I take that back. Everybody's got an opinion. I really hurt for these top quality uh, athletes that are suffering due to this. I don't know what it is, dude. And I don't know what's next, but I want to throw it out onto your plate. Um, I, I, I believe that women's sports need to be protected, period. They do. That's fair. These yeah. are, I don't think anyone's going to argue with, are, with you on that. These are incredible athletes, but we all have different chromosomes. We all have different things, and I'm throwing it out to you. I know you're going to hate me. I mean, no. I, I would hate me, too, if I threw this out, but it's – and now it's politicized, blah, 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 blah. No, in the world of sports, you take a T-ball team uh-huh. and have adults join it and take over a T-ball team. Um, that's what I see, and I'm just – I'm sorry, dude. I know you're talking about the Bucks. I agree, the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to win it all. But, hmm. my friend, what is going on in sports? What, what? can the- I can I ask you? And first of all, I'm not minimizing the points you're making at all because I, I I agree with you that women's sports need to be protected and women's athletes, yes. you know, or women athletes should be celebrated. All of these yes. things. Yeah. Can I ask you what what prompted this? Like, what did you see or what did you hear today? Or than the last week where you're like, I, this is this has now become a big enough thing where I have to call Grant, which I'm not hating you for doing. I'm just curious. Was it something specific that made you think about this? When I saw that the PG, PGA had somebody by the name, I don't know, uh, his name is Heidi, and that's the other thing that kills me. They say, well, she's uh no, it's not a she, dude. Well, I'll do the sports thing with you. We, we Leave that part to the side. PGA, I didn't know anything yeah, about this. Yeah. Let me look it up. Yeah. No, no look it up because... Here's the thing. I really hurt for women. The woman that was just beat up by some people, the swimmer. Um, you know, all I'm saying is the sports world, we really get into our teams, right? We really get into what's going on. And it's really bothered me because I played sports, my friend. And I, <laughs> I could not imagine going and competing as a woman. I, 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 and, and, and I think it's a slap in the face of women's sports players. And um, that's what prompted it, my friend. It has nothing to do with politics. I hate politics. Um, but it has to do with how many people are suffering because they practice all their lives. They do whatever they can do. And all of a sudden, there's a dude in the locker room. I mean, come on, man. No, I, so, I, I know what you mean. I do. I found, I, I found it, by the way. Her name is uh, Haley Davidson. I got it. I'm going to let you go, Jim, because I like this was nice. This was, this was good. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shunning you. Uh, this is a little bit of a sticky uh, spot for me to be in. Haley Davidson, which my immature ass read that as Harley Davidson. And then when I realized it was Haley, I was like, huh, that's kind of a funny name. Yeah, Matt Bush here. What do you what do you want what do you want me to do at this gym? You know what I mean? What, what do you like I I love you, Jim. I love when you call. And I, I don't I don't disagree with anything you just said in in theory. But what do you what do you want me to say? 
What do you what do you what do you actually want me to say? I I don't know. Yeah, Matt Bush here. Which is why I'm playing a Matt Bush drop. Cuz I don't I don't have a I don't have a and better That's today's tailgate tip. That's today's tailgate tip. Jim and Madison, uh ladies and gentlemen. When you when you said that I'm going to throw you something here, I was like, "Oh, because I think last time we talked to Jim was about his restaurant. What was it? Ditka's Steakhouse, which I did not get to go to. But next time, next time I'm in Chicago, I did recommend Jim's place to Zach Heilprin when he went to cover the Big Ten tournament down there. However, I, I'm sure Zach wanted to get there. Z- Zach would follow any of my recommendations, you know, just like that. Zach and I have a, a close relationship like that, a personal friendship, not just a work relationship. But he was only down there one night because the batters lost right away. So I'm not sure that he could heed your recommendation or or my recommendation from you. As much as I would love to get in a long conversation about the nuances of uh, gender fluidity in sports, I I might have to not do that, Jim. Yeah, Matt Bush here. Now I'm pondering whether I should take my last break right now. I think I will. I think I'll I'll do that. I think that is a good idea. We're going to take a three-minute break and then wrap up the show with... Of course, whatever you want to talk about, just not, just not that. That's the one thing we're not going to touch. Three minutes. Let's talk about the Bucks. Their season ended yesterday. Their regular season did, and the Bucks, I think, are a very unique team in the current state of the NBA, where every team is a clown car, or most teams are clown cars, and the Bucks aren't. And I think in today's NBA, ninety percent of the battle is just not being a clown car. So we'll talk about that and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I am, I said, Brooklyn Roads, which are very blatantly autobiographical and very personal. Those those two songs were easily the most difficult songs I've ever written because because I wanted to to say exactly what I what I what I meant, and I had such a reservoir to, to draw from. They were very difficult songs to write, and I had to dig deeply for them. And uh, the other music, I guess, in a sense, any any creative endeavor is a reflection of the, of the writer or the artist or the sculptor. Uh, it's all personal, in a sense. Wisco Sports Show. It's Neil Diamond week, and that was the fastest three-minute commercial break in my history of doing the show. That was like 30 seconds. I, I needed a break. Jim and Madison, who we love, who the nicest guy, I love when he calls. For some reason today, just woke up in, in some kind of mood and wanted to talk about transgender folk playing sports. And you know what? I'm just not paid enough to do that. <laughs> I'm not, and that's not, by the way, uh, in an effort to offend absolutely nobody here, uh, that is that is not a, a, com- a comment about my paycheck. If my bosses are listening, they're, they're all God, I hope they're not listening to the last 20 minutes. They're going to have questions. Uh, is it's not that I don't make enough money. Oh, I do. I do this job for free. I hope they're not listening. I hope they didn't hear that. I would do this job for free. I love this job. It's not about the money. I just, I don't, I don't get paid enough to address such issues, Jim in Madison. But I'm glad that you felt comfortable enough to bring that up on the show. Just 
don't do it again. <laughs> I love you, Jim. Uh, I never, I never, I never drop callers and then badmouth them after they're, I, I hate when shows do that. So it's not what I'm doing, Jim. I just, I, this is not the correct format and I am not the correct person to address such conversations. 608-796-2558. We got last couple minutes here. Yesterday, I watched the Masters all day, and I followed the NBA on Twitter. I was following along with what was going on in the Wolves-Pelicans game and other games that were important for the standings and for the play-in, avoiding the play-in or jumping up or down in the seed. So the Clippers game was important in that way. Like I said, the Wolves and the Pelicans. I forgot the Bucks played yesterday. You probably did, too, because you were probably watching the Brewers or golf. Or I don't know, you went outside and you watched the snow melt off the grass. Anything would have been more interesting and important than the Bucks game. Marjan Bochamp played over 30 minutes. If that tells you anything, that, that gives you a pretty good idea of how seriously the Bucks and Bud were taking this game. We barely acknowledged that the Bucks played a game yesterday. One seed was locked up, no playing implications, nothing like that, no drama, nothing. Meanwhile, you look at the Wolves. Jaden McDaniels broke his hand punching a wall on his way to the locker room at halftime. Now, he's going to be out, assumedly, for the entire postseason. And they could really use a guy like Jaden McDaniels to defend LeBron because he's that guy for them. He's their wing defender now. They don't have him. Jaden McDaniels broke his hand punching a wall at halftime, and that wasn't the biggest punching incident in the game. Oh, Jane McDaniels punched a wall. Well, if that's all that happened. Oh, the wish wolves, that's all. Or the, the wolves wished, that's all that happened. The, the, the wished wolves. You probably saw the clip by now. Rudy Gobert tried to punch Kyle Anderson in the face. Hit him in the chest, which I guess is impacting his suspension, according to Woj. He's only being suspended for a game because he did not intend to injure Kyle Anderson. Hit him in the chest. And also, Kyle Anderson did use the B word multiple times. Like, that's something that needed to be officially tweeted by Woj. But it was. I I mean, it's just the drama. It's incredible. The NBA is filled with a bunch of children. And I don't mean children in that they're young and immature, although a lot of players are immature. I mean children as disrespectfully as I can say it. And I I think of this clip of CM Punk, which I have edited the F-bombs out of. I'm sorry if I'm a little snippy. That's fine. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm tired. I totally work with children. I work with children. The NBA is a bunch of children. And it's not just young players. It's everybody. The Golden State Warriors, great example. The Golden State Warriors are the NBA's gold standard of success, right? They're a dynasty. They're the dynasty of the last decade or so. Sorry, Bill Simmons. He, for some reason, doesn't. There's not a real dynasty. Okay, whatever. Draymond Green, who is a pillar of said dynasty, punched a teammate just a couple months after they won a title. When things were good, he punched a teammate after said teammate was just paid. And also, Draymond Green subtweeted at Rudy Gobert last night after the punching incident in the Wolves-Pelicans game. Nice. That's that's your gold standard. Pun not intended. The Golden State Warriors, gold standard. Plenty of drama there. The Lakers, the Lakers traded away Russell Westbrook, instantly leaked that he was a vampire in the locker room, and that came just days after Anthony Davis, who's supposed to be their best player, pouted through LeBron's record-setting night. And I'm not defending LeBron in all this because I'm sure it's sometimes he can be hard to work with and I, I'm not putting it all on AD, but that they're not exactly drama-free. The Suns have had feuds between the front office 
and DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton. Jay Crowder didn't like Monty Williams so much that Jay Crowder's like, no, I don't want to play for you guys, even though you're a contender. The Clippers acquired Bones Highland and Mason Plumley at the trade deadline. They were throwing punches at each other yesterday on the bench. The Mavericks, the Mavericks, I'm, I'm gesturing broadly. I'm swinging my arms because what about the Mavericks is not dramatic. Luca's making money signs at the refs as if the refs have been paid off. Christian Wood has never been happy a moment of his NBA career with how much is being paid or what his role is. Never once been happy, which is why he's been on like six teams in six years. Kyrie is, again, I'm just gesturing broadly. He's Kyrie. And Jason Kidd showed up to a press conference with his hat backwards and clear flame glasses. And, oh, Grant's such a boomer. He can't handle a backwards hat. Not with an NBA coach, I can't. You look like a moron. You can't be my coach if you're comfortable rolling into a press conference like that unironically. You're, you're seriously going to wear clear frame glasses and a backwards hat to a press conference in a moment where the whole world is watching our team because of what's going on with Kyrie and Luka. You show up like that, you can't coach for me. Now, I know that Jason Kidd can't be my coach for years. That is not news to me, but that visual and that press conference just locked that down. The Grizzlies... Oh, the Grizzlies, they're a good team. Oh, the Grizzlies derailed their season because Ja Morant likes playing with guns and looking tough. And I know that it's being framed as a way, well, Ja has to find healthier ways to cope with the NBA. He needs to work on his mental health. Oh, okay, sure. But in the end, I, 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 feel, un, I feel comfortable saying the uncomfortable truth here, not about transgender athletes, but about Ja Morant in that he just likes to play with guns. He likes to look cool. That's really what it comes down to. And that's just the West. I just listed what? Warriors, Lakers, Suns, Clippers, Mavericks, Grizzlies. That's six teams. All from the same conference. The Celtics have had this underlying, undertoned Jalen Brown unhappiness for the last couple of years. They're a team of whiners and complainers. The 76ers, I'll give the 76ers credit. They're actually having a relatively drama-free season for the first time ever. I don't know. When was the last time they didn't have any drama? Oh, except for that little nugget, I guess, that James Harden wants to go back to the Rockets after this year. It's the most James Harden thing ever. Oh, I know the Sixers season's going really well. We're trying to contend. We're trying to win. But let's just leak that I I, want to go back to the Rockets after this year. and I want to get paid a lot of money. Of course. Yeah, put that out in the middle of a contending season. Warriors, Lakers, Suns, Clippers, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Celtics, Sixers. Eight teams. I'm not kidding. When I say half the battle of winning in the NBA is just not being a clown car. Don't have one of your players punch another one of your players. Don't have your best player playing with guns at a strip club. Don't have your coach dress like a clown at a press conference. Don't have your coach get all your players angry like Monty Williams. No one talks about it because they're the Phoenix Suns and we only discuss the Phoenix Suns in the macro sense. Oh, Kevin Durant, what are the expectations? Go on Phoenix Sports Talk Radio if such a thing exists. They're talking about why Monty Williams can't get away with talking with anyone. He can't discuss things with players because he pisses everyone off. There's so much drama. The Nets, the Nets are finally free of drama and they're a playoff team. Look at them. The Heat actually deal with drama pretty well. I'll give the Heat credit for that. It's uh, Heat culture, I suppose. Which is a meme, but also I, I read something the other day about Eric Spolstra, and I don't remember who it was, about how he loves conflict. He thrives. It's good. Which they've created something. Again, he culture is a corny way of saying it, but they have created a culture. They're the outlier. Half the battle of being good in the NBA, I say this 100% seriously, is just not being a clown car team. Don't play with guns. Don't punch each other. Right? Don't fight with your coach. Don't fight with the front office. If you can do that, you're good. The funny thing about the NBA is... 
it feels like 50% of teams have issues with stuff like that. And the Bucks don't, which is why they have a leg up on just about everyone. Not to mention they also have the one seed. Pretty good leg up. Show number one of Neil Diamond Week in the books. I cannot wait to go spread the gospel of Neil tomorrow with my radio father, Ebo, on Over the Line. I'll talk to the rest of you tomorrow at four. Can't wait. Yeah.